0: Hey, this is Joe, and this is Mike, and thank you for joining another episode of the Paul Bunyan Podcast, weekly podcast, where we dive into the details on Michigan and Michigan State Athletics. Uh, college basketball season is creeping up, believe it or not, but college football season is in full swing, and we will get to everything from this past weekend with Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Northwestern, and a look at the weekend upcoming. And this is going to be a fun one, folks. <laughs> The five coming for the phone.
1: And leading things off, we can start with the Michigan game where they weren't just beaten, but they were molly-whopped. That's um, one of my favorite terms. <laughs> <laughs> mine, too. I had a feeling they were going to lose uh, Right last week. I said that, but the fact that they didn't even look competitive really was disappointing to me and Michigan fans. I don't think most of us, most of us Michigan fans, even watched the whole game. No. No, it was, it, I mean...
0: When for me, I'll just cut in real quick like I, I was busy over the weekend and I barely got to watch the Michigan State game while it was happening and right before halftime I heard you know the comment from the commentator saying, uh, we'll catch you up on Michigan and Wisconsin. It's all badgers right now. I thought that meant like 17 to 3 or like 21 to 10 something like that. And I looked at this I found the score and it was 28 nothing I was I was shocked. Like, I didn't think Michigan was going to win. You know, We talked about that on our last episode, but that was definitely surprising.
1: Even if Michigan <clears throat> had looked clean up to that point, it's not easy to go into Wisconsin and win. No. If you look, since Wisconsin kind of woke up as a program in 1993, uh, when that's when Barry Alvarez kind of got things going. I think he started in 91, but 93 is when they took off. Michigan – despite some of its lean years, still has the upper hand in the series. But both teams tend to win at home, and that's the story all around college football. But I thought Michigan had looked sloppy going into that. I wasn't completely sold on Wisconsin necessarily as a top-five team. I'm definitely getting there. I might put them there. I feel like they're one of the best six or seven teams in the country. Um, I still am not sure that Michigan's just not bad, though.
0: So <laughs> they might, maybe they've played three, four teams. And, but, yeah, that's, that's the thing is going into this game, we were both unsure about what each team brought to the table. Like we weren't sure about Wisconsin and we weren't sure about Michigan. I feel like we're still not sure about either team because one of the teams could be average and the other could be really bad or the other one team could be really good and the other could be just average, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh it's kinda interesting so far that um you're supposed to get
0: better as the season goes on, but I feel
1: like Michigan actually looked best in their sloppy game against middle Tennessee State.
0: Yeah. That's that's an interesting point.
1: Um I, I kinda wanna fun. go into a macro a little bit because that was a terrible, terrible game. Um you go through the Harbaugh era. What's funny is his first two and a half, maybe three seasons. They, I think, one They had been blown out twice over three seasons at uh, right. OSU the first year, which I think a lot of fans gave him a pass for because they overachieved that year, and then yep. against Penn State. And he also 20, got somewhat yeah. of a pass there because they've played four times. Three of the blowouts have been Michigan blowing Penn State out. That's right, yeah. <clears throat> but there's been three now, um, three recently, Wisconsin, Ohio State last year, and then the Florida. Florida. Yeah. I remember they didn't look good. I couldn't remember that. That's, and, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. That's. And there's some issues that I don't think a lot of Michigan fans saw coming. I don't know what's going on with Patterson. Because Mich- uh, Harbaugh has a great track record with quarterbacks. You go through resurrecting Alex Smith, Andrew Luck at Stanford. Switching to Kaepernick, which raised a lot of eyebrows at the time. Kaepernick, of course, came from Nevada in college. And that worked fine for him. Yeah. <laughs> Kaepernick was the quarterback that took them to the Super Bowl, if I remember correctly. He was. At San Diego. Not San Diego State. University of San Diego. He, Josh Johnson is still in the NFL. Josh Johnson's lasted in the NFL longer than Andrew Luck. <laughs> There's not a lot of... Uh,
0: What's See, that saying about uh the stars that burn brightest, burn out the quickest? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's that's Yeah, Andrew Luck
1: <laughs> has just held on, or um, excuse me, Josh, Josh Johnson, Johnson has held yep. on as a backup quarterback. San Diego, that's division, that's FCS, right? I believe so. Yeah, that's yeah. A, San Diego State, I think,
0: is the bigger yeah. program.
1: Yeah. Uh Rudoc progressively got better um his first season here. It was very smart of Harbaugh that first year to get Rudok because mm-hmm. Shane Morris didn't end up doing much. Um, Patterson, his first year, you know, some fans were wanting more. I think all fans wanted more and thought, you know, with their wide receivers, that spreading out was the answer. But he has regressed. Uh, second year slump seems to be a trend. I thought Sp- Spate overachieved his first year. Yeah. Also had the second year slump. Um. These, these coaches, you know, Don Brown had a great track record at Boston College before coming here. When he got here, you know, most Michigan fans were very, very happy with him. Uh, some of those Clemson, Florida State teams struggled more against Boston College defense than any other in the ACC. Yeah. you got to think the staff hasn't forgotten how to coach. Um, I don't think many Michigan fans are sold on Gaddis right now. Um, And I think there's a lot of blame to go around. I don't think it's any one thing. Yeah. Um, I do want to address real quick um, from some of the angrier fan base or some that just were expressing their feelings before going to bed on Saturday night, the idea of getting rid of Harbaugh. uh, Let me tell you right now, um, transition costs are a big reason they wouldn't get rid of them. Um, That would cost a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, donors would only want him out if things got really bad. I think most, most of the fan base would only want him out if things got really bad. Things were going really bad with Hoke in 2014. That's that one of the reasons they moved on, you know, besides the Shane Morris incident. Um, I went to a final home game in 2014 against Maryland. I could lean back. I could put my legs up on the bleachers in front of me. There were not a lot of people there. If it's going to cost just as much to keep them as it will to get rid of them, which would mean three and nine, four and eight, then you might have a chance. Um, but I think a lot of fans would want him to leave at that
0: point anyway. Right. Um, so I just I just want to like check what's his current contract because didn't he sign like a, a six year contract? I think seven beginning. million. I think seven is the base salary, right?
1: But it was for
0: six years when he
1: when he signed on. Originally, I want to say it was five, but he's had a new contract since then. Yeah. Originally, his base salary was also five billion. I think he wanted to ensure that um, he could get top notch assistance when he came on too. Right.
0: For me, no, I definitely wouldn't fire Harbaugh unless things go real south real quick. But I also wouldn't be just giving him a lifetime contract. Like, you can't let a coach get too comfortable with a program. Right. And I think there's some that think that maybe has
1: happened. I do know a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, Manuel said that Beeline and Harbaugh had unofficial
0: lifetime contracts. Right. And you're kind of giving away your hand in terms of any, like, negotiating. I mean, not that, like, there's any, like, big time negotiating going on between the two. But if you're guaranteed to keep your job as long as you just doing, it's not the bear. I also, know, I, I, I think,
1: I think this is a silly conversation to have after one game. I know a lot of the fan base, right. but I had someone uh, tell me on, uh, and I, I've actually heard this sentiment a few times that uh, if he wins 10 games again, but loses all state and a uh, couple other games, they want him gone. And I think that is dumb because since being hired, Harbaugh is 40 and 15. There's only a right. handful of coaches that no, have...
0: Nobody's saying he doesn't win. He, de- he has definitely won in large numbers since he got to Michigan. But it's definitely concerning when you look the way you did in the... Not just last year's bowl game, but um, you know the South Carolina bowl game. It does game seem like... That. Yeah, it does and seem like...
1: Those that play kinda have the wins taken out of their sale after losing Ohio State. And then there's also right. been
0: issues of and players right, sitting out for the draft or health. Right now this team, it looks pretty mentally weak when they're talking about losing all any kind of momentum and fight after the first fumble of the game. Because it was the third straight game where they lost a fumble on the opening possession. I think that's one of the problems is it's like, oh, not again. Yeah, and but, but I that's wanna... something you really got to – that's kind of on the coaching staff. I don't really put that on the players too much. I don't think it
1: does Michigan any favors, though, if they fire someone that wins a lot. Right. Because no, who's, who's going to be right. looking at that job? Like... Right. You're not going to get a big-name coach if they look at, like, what? okay, if I win that many games but lose that many games – I don't you know, if I have a record similar to Harbaugh, I'm gonna get fired. And also like the expectations to beat Ohio State right. loss the Alabama, the Big Ten. You know, LSU and Tennessee are tired of losing to Alabama too. Right. And look how
0: many coaches they've gone through. But if you do look around the Big Ten, it's not impossible to beat Ohio State if somebody like James Franklin can do it, you know, Mark D'Antonio who sometimes- Neither one of them have a great <laughs>
1: record either.
0: Right, you know. And uh,
1: Penn State kind of snuck up on Ohio State. Michigan's never going to stink up on Ohio State. That's a, that's they talk about every week they prepare for Michigan, and I actually think that's one of the reasons they've gotten blown out by right. Purdue or Iowa or almost lose to Maryland is because, <laughs> and Michigan doesn't lose to the teams they're not supposed to
0: very often. Right. So you kind of see the two sides, right. two different strategies, I don't want to get too sidetracked uh, on this topic because we were making good strides, but what would it take for this season? What would it take for you to start calling for Harbaugh's job?
1: One, it has nothing to do with him. There'd have to be a perfect candidate out there that seems very interested. Okay. And by the way, I want to get this out of the way. That's not Urban Meyer. No, definitely not. (laughs) Even if the stars aligned, I doubt Urban would And I'm going to name some names. Jeff Rieger at 97-1. Yeah. Has he been? Yes. He's been tooting that horn. That train? Yes. Okay. Uh, Prime Fuller on Twitter. Uh, he slammed him two days later. He's saying, hey, let's bring him on. He literally, within 48 hours, went from badgering uh, Urban Meyer and calling him a terrible person and right. bringing up all the rest, the Zach You're Smith like, thing. Hey, et hey you want to come be my, my coach? Yeah. <laughs> And I would tell you to go ahead and tag these people and tell them, tell them that I uh, am criticizing them. But Prime Fuller already deleted this Twitter. Oh wow! Because <laughs> he was just getting absolute, and that wasn't his only cyberbullying. Can be a good thing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not um, all bad. I, I, right
0: now, I don't think there's a sure thing. But Urban Meyer's not it. No, our, I was wondering where those started because I've seen that wandering around Twitter, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Come our, on. Uh,
1: I would say, you know, seven and six wouldn't be enough for me to want to fire him, but not all seven and six is equal. I was willing to give Rich Rod another year in 2010, but he didn't just go seven and six. He got absolutely destroyed in Ohio State game and the bowl game against Mississippi State, who was supposed to be about evenly matched. Yeah, even footing. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think Dan Mullen would be a good hire, and I don't think it's. Far fetch for him to go from Florida to Michigan, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. Right. For as good as Florida is in athletics, sometimes they don't put as much money in as a Michigan does. You know, that's how they lose Urban Meyer and Steve Spierer and and uh, yeah. Billy, Do- uh, Billy Billy Donovan. Donovan. Yeah. Yep. am not, not saying they didn't leave for great jobs,
0: but but you know, Florida should be one of those jobs. And again, and, not to derail us any further, but. I'm okay with us going around. We have a lot to talk about. We talked on our first episode that Ben Mason is now a defensive tackle. Why is he carrying the football in the red
1: zone? I have a few thoughts on this. Let me make sure I get there. Okay. Because Michigan didn't run the ball that much anyway. And I have the stats. Okay. Uh, I know Christian Turner only ran it six times off the top of my head. I know Zach Charbonnet only ran it twice, and that makes sense because he's hurt. Uh, not only did Ben Mason get uh, run from I want to say it was the seven-yard line, it may have been the nine, but it was third and goal. No, second goal, excuse me. They're driving yeah. down the field. Had a Wisconsin huge, huge took away from Ronnie Bell. Right, right. Wisconsin took all day to score, but Michigan couldn't get to stop. Michigan drives down right away. And it seems like they're about to even up. They call a timeout, which annoys me. They've been calling a lot of timeouts to get the play right. Then, incomplete pass, I want to say, on first down. Mm -hmm. Second down, they hand that off to Ben Mason, which seems absolutely ridiculous. I'm curious who's calling those plays. Josh Guest says he doesn't use a fullback in his system. Now, granted, Ben Mason maybe was the running back. (laughs) But still, that's very curious. And he actually starts to get some yards. That's the thing. It starts to work. Two straight Wisconsin players, back-to-back, helmet to the ball. It's not even Ben Mason's fault. You can't do a lot when the defensive player's helmet hits your ball. Hits the football, you know. He wasn't like, you know, holding out away from his – No, but boom, boom, fumble. Just kills their momentum. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that play (laughs) call. It was infuriating. It's not even Ben Mason's fault. It's bad luck. But that's also been the type of season it is. I think they've had – two or three times as many turnovers this season already than all of last season.
0: Right. I mentioned like they lost two out of three fumbles on Saturday, had another interception. I believe the turnover margin was three, nothing in favor of Wisconsin. I believe, Yeah. I'm pretty sure Wisconsin. Did That's the story of the season day. so
1: far. And like I said, I know we've been kind of hitting things. All there's a lot of things yeah, we're to hit. Um, I, I do want to get, Back to the hardball and what it takes. Like, Right now, I am definitely not advocating for a different coach. I'm not as pro-hardball as some people. I do think he needs to take criticism. I also think if things get bad enough, you need to look around. I'm not going to sit here with pom-poms on. Right. And that doesn't mean that uh, it doesn't hurt when they lose. I think it hurts every Michigan fan. I just think some fans just... Everybody don't show it a
0: certain way.
1: Right. And I don't think those that act like some disgruntled parent at a freaking little league game, <laughs> if you criticize those people, don't be those people on the internet. Don't be those people calling into some talk show or just, you know, making small talk and just, you know, being super angry. Cause that doesn't change right. anything. Nobody wants to see Ryan Day's stupid face grinning if Ohio state beats Michigan this year. Come November, I don't want to come into this podcast after losing the state. I want you to be the grumpy one. Well, <laughs> like that's always going to be—that's <laughs> a, that's a given. <laughs> it, it hurts inside when they lose, but I'm not going to be a jackhole about it, right? And I get being mad, and I also think Woodson was right, and he was emotional, and but he handled it great, and like you said off air, he handled it a
0: lot better than Braylon Edwards did. Yeah, Braylon Edwards was on the offensive and naming players on the team. Uh, Woodson, you could just tell it was more... He almost dropped the S bomb
1: on air, but he on was air. he was very he, he he was very professional but What I what I could say wouldn't be the right thing to yeah. say because yeah. it'll be my emotions. Yep. So so what I'm telling you now is kind of what I see on the surface. Yep. And when I get home, I'm gonna say some 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 different things. <laughs> but right now, man, I'm I'm just I'm sick about how Michigan football looks right now. And and I came here on this show, man. This is my first weekend on on Big Noon Kickoff. And I came here with high expectations for how my team was going to look in front of you guys. And I'll be honest with you, man. I'm embarrassed. I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed about that. And when we were having that conversation, I didn't know that Braylon Edwards did anything this week. I'm just talking about his past. Like, he has a whole history of this. Specifically after
0: the Notre Dame game
1: last year was what I was talking about. Yeah, there's been a few times. And um, I don't know what Big Ten Network pays, but apparently it's little enough that uh, he's very mad that Harbaugh didn't let him be an assistant. And that's what this really comes down
0: to. So my question is just what needs to happen for this season to not to, to, to take a turning point, you know, because they're going down a road right now. And it's nice that you have Rutgers coming up. That's a pretty conveniently timed game. <laughs> but then you look down the road and there's Iowa at home. Iowa's not a pushover. Penn State's on the road. Um, I don't think that'll be a blowout game in the series, but that's how it's been. Michigan State at home, Notre Dame at home, and then Ohio State. I think one of the
1: things that a lot of fans mad is that uh, Shea has not progressed, he's regressed. McCaffrey hasn't looked good, and he just got a concussion. A concussion. From Pretty what a major I,
0: one it looked like.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: anyway, I don't want to get <laughs> Sorry. Into that. that.
1: That looked really bad. <laughs> that looked dirty. Um, and uh, I understand that Milton played late. I had the game off by then, so I don't know how he looked. I understand yeah. that Michigan went on a fourteen nothing run because <laughs> <laughs> apparently it was thirty five nothing at one point. I didn't see anything after twenty eight zip.
0: Um. So, because against, best- against the team like Wisconsin, you know it's going to be really difficult to make up a 28-point margin. I don't care how
1: much time And to be have. fair, that might be part of the reason they only had 10 carries. I wanted to see Michigan open it up and start passing a lot, more, a lot more, but I didn't want them to give up running. Right. I also don't understand why RPOs haven't worked. Um, you have an offensive line that had four all-Big Ten players last year, and um, they ha- they haven't looked good this year. You had We were talking
0: before the season that this could be the best offensive line they've had, possibly since Jake Long was there. Yeah, and then last year, I wouldn't say they were elite.
1: They weren't like one of the best offensive lines of all time, but they were very good. They were very – Runyon was first team all Big Ten, Brennan's second team all Big Ten, and Ruiz and Elenio were third team all Big Ten. And I know the offensive line – I had injury problems just like a lot of units. But the thing is, is they've looked either sloppy or horrendous. Um, Yeah. That's the thing. That's why I think a lot of Michigan fans aren't giving them benefit of the doubt for injuries. Like, yeah, it stinks that Runyon's hurt. Yeah, it stinks that Donovan Peoples-Jones is hurt and Charbonnet's hurt and the quarterbacks have been getting beat up, et cetera, et cetera. But they haven't looked mediocre
0: They've looked sloppy, and or you, get, you get no sympathy from a state fan because we're on our fourth left tackle, and we're not even five games into the
1: season. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think that's the other thing is uh, none of the three games have looked sharp for Michigan, and they haven't been fun. And at this right. point, you're about a quarter you're a quarter of the way through the. We're in week five now. Yeah, and um, part of the thing with the offense too is they haven't they don't have an identity. That's a good point. They've been jumping back and forth. And I think the disease is that the offensive coaches haven't committed to an offense. And, Joe, I know we've talked out there about Breaking Bad. We're both big Breaking Bad fans. You didn't even see it till this year, right? That's right. Well, there's an episode called Half Measures. And I'm not going to do any big spoilers. Very, very minor one. But in the show, there's but an, an XB ex- <laughs> <laughs> <an> ex- <laughs> cop talks about the time he tried to help a victim and he didn't go all the way and it did about as good at saving the victim if he had done nothing.
0: The moral of the story is I chose a half measure when I should have gone all the way.
1: I'll never make that mistake again. No more half measures, Walter. He took a half measure. And Harbaugh, the offense has been half measures all season. It looks worse than last year. I think last year it looked good, but I felt like Michigan fans were like, okay, are we just going to, is our ceiling going to be 10 wins? Or are we going to win championships? Are we going to win the Big Ten? Are we going to go to the playoff? Are we going to go to Rolls Bowls? And honestly, you'd be better off this year if you kept the same offense as last year. I don't know if Gaddis is the real deal or if he sold the hardball of, you know, something that he wasn't. Right. Um, but so far, he doesn't look good at all. And the offense needs an identity. Right. And so far, it doesn't have it. Like, what is what does this offense do well? What, what does it want to do well?
0: I don't know because... What looked like on paper going into the season it could do well would be explosive plays to the receivers. But yep. they're not using the – yes, I know Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black are not 100% healthy, but Nico Collins is. And I – Ronnie Bell, you heard all last Ronnie season. Bell. Yeah. I haven't seen too many highlight plays out of either of them, and I should be seeing Ronnie quite Bell's, a few. Ronnie Bell is one of those players this year that has some really good highlights. But
1: then he also has a lot of mistakes. Lot of, yeah. You, you could say that about a lot of players. There's some players on defense. Eden Hutchinson has some really good plays, but he's also been pushed around a little bit. Quiddy Pay, Josh Uche, Cleek Hudson. <laughs> you can go down. But right now, staying on the offense, yeah. I mean, you have Tariq Black, who before the season, when he's been healthy, looked good. Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's he's he had a good – He, had, very he good, had a very good sophomore
0: year. Yeah. And his freshman season left a lot to be desired, but that's that's pretty typical for a freshman. Receiver. He's been dealing with injuries. injuries yeah, too. his sophomore season, it looked like he was as
1: built, and, and he still looked raw, nowhere near his ceiling. And uh, Nico Collins, is six foot four, and he had the he had some great S and P stat where he had like the highest completion percentage for catchable balls thrown his way
0: last year in all of college football. You also got to think. You can't count on having these guys around next season. They're all draft eligible now. You can't count on the fact that Nico Collins is going to be around next year. You can hope for it, maybe it's probable, but you can't bank on that factor.
1: And why not use them? If exactly. you're not if you're not if you're only going to run the ball 10
0: times, that means you're throwing a lot. To me, the worst game of Tom Izzo's career was the Syracuse loss in the 2018 NCAA tournament. Why? Because Jaron Jackson was on the bench without foul trouble, and
1: everybody assumed he had foul trouble. And then when they it, checked, it was, they were like, He only had two fouls." And I, for the running, too, I understand once you get down by a lot, but when you're down 14 or 21, nothing. But it's still, the first quarter,
0: you can run a bit, right? You can run the not up the pass. Give the don't let the defense know everything you're doing right away. Give, let the, have the defense try something, you know.
1: Christian Turner has looked good when he's run. His he had more carries than anyone the first game. Yeah. And his yard per carry might not have been as high as Zach Charbonnet, but it was still good. His only bad game was against Army, and they didn't even let him play that much. He missed a few blocks. I don't understand why they didn't use him. There were there was talk like who there was talk in the offseason who was gonna be the starter. It wasn't like it wasn't a slam dunk that it was gonna be Charbonnet. Right. So it, it was the competition. Yes, and the defense—they—they—they they, they had a terrible game. But all year, the time of possession at times has been crazy. It's um, been
0: one-sided. Yeah,
1: this—this this was the worst. It was like I think two or three times, <laughs> like Wisconsin had yeah. a time of possession by two or three times what Michigan did. But um, there's times I think they're just getting worn out, and and they're missing bodies too. You had Jordan Glass Gal, right, lining up. At defensive tackle, yeah. a good majority of the game, he is a safety slash linebacker. Like that's; those are the two positions yeah. he can the, play.
0: The depth or lack thereof on the defensive side is probably the biggest concern to me. And there are definitely a multitude of concerns. We touched on them: uh, the quarterback play, the play calling, the turnovers. Or I don't. I don't think turnovers. the
1: depth is necessarily bad on the defensive side. I think it's bad at defensive
0: tackle, Right. and maybe the young, front seven. You know, I've. I've heard that Paul Chris was telling the off, the Wisconsin offense that this is the worst front seven you're going to face all season.
1: I don't know about that. There's some good. I mean, players. I saw it on Twitter, so I don't yeah. know if that's a fact. I but. don't. I don't think Uche and Pay and Aiden Hutchinson, Clee Hudson, Jordan Glasgow, when he's not a defensive tackle, forgot how to play football. <laughs> right. I. I. I they, their defensive tackles weren't great last year, and they didn't have it. And Aubrey Solomon was supposed to be the next man up, and the fact that they lost him. Yeah, uh, at corner, at the defensive back, especially at corner. I think in years to come, there's a lack of young talent there. Okay. Uh, I mean, right now you got Hill and um, Avery Thomas, Thomas. The and, and they name. have a third guy. Tom uh, Blankin and on his name that barely lost. Gray, that's a gray. Bits of gray. Mm. Yeah, oh. and it, but it's the young guys, it's the freshmen and sophomores there that. Yeah, I I I, I think depth is a problem. Only a defensive tackle, really. I, he- I heard someone say that uh, they miss Chris Evans and running back's a problem. You have a freshman. You have Christian Turner. Uh, you know, how many running backs do you want? Right. And, and uh, they also Usually have, you want the a There's an injured you. player, too, that they're missing. True Wilson? True Wilson. You have three running backs. Right. The fact that two of them are hurt is terrible luck. Um I, I, I think a lot of teams would be very happy if they had three guys that could go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jordan Glasgow, a defensive tackle. Okay. Yeah. That that shows that how bad things are. Yeah. And, and the fact that Michigan's offensive line was getting pushed around a bit. Um, I, I did like Harbaugh's press, press press. Excuse me, I can't <laughs> speak to easy for me to say. I did like Harbaugh's press conference. I think he said the right things. I don't get. Too worked up about press conferences as much as other people. When people talk about winning the press conference, I kind of cringe a little bit, like, who yeah. really cares, won football games, but I thought he said what he needed to say.
0: Um. Yeah, we're outplayed.
1: Outprepared and outcoached. Outplayed the whole thing. I mean, um, both offensively and defensively, that was – it was thorough. It was a uh, – really you know, and we knew those, you know we knew it about their team I mean if I mean, they got the ability uh, you know they're good enough and if they play good enough they could they're good enough to to um, you know to beat you thoroughly and that's what happened today but I think that really sums up a lot of my, my feelings obviously I had a lot of them might have been a little bit scatterbrained compared to a lot of our uh, talks but there was a lot to talk about
0: when you were like it was Wait. all over the place
1: usually when you say like hey do you want to start off with michigan michigan state like either or is fine with me but i was like this week we need to talk about michigan that's right like last week we needed to start with michigan state yeah exactly there was a lot of meat on the bone i think we got a lot of it um and this is a good segue i thought michigan state had a good game
0: Was northwestern a little off balance that was Brett salem the offensive coordinator Handed off here, Northwestern. Made the play at the point of attack, but then Elijah Collins kept the feet moving. Touchdown, MSU. Michigan State did have a nice bounce-back game, but that does not exonerate what happened two weeks ago against Arizona State because that's that should stay fresh in the minds of Michigan State fans. Now, I'll get into it, you know. It's been a long time since Michigan State has consistently scored. And it's nice to see putting up 31 points. I do not take that for granted. I promise you. It's <laughs> nice to win a Big Ten row game comfortably 31 to 10. And Brian LaWorke doesn't play the fourth quarter. Mark D'Antonio gets win number 110. He's now the winningest coach. He said it in the quote that will play for you. You know, you. He's more excited about just going 1-0 in the Big Ten. Just so people
1: know, we can play it right now, and uh, let's do that.
0: You know, I knew that sooner or later maybe it would come. But uh, I, to be honest with you, I'm just trying to focus on winning a football game. And, and uh, you know, those, those things that, uh, that come with that 110, I think those are the things that you sit back at a later time and say, okay, did this, did that. But it's not an individual thing. It's just so many people working towards it. I was very impressed on just our workman like attitude today. You know, we just came out and just kept, if something happened negatively, we just lined back up and played. Here's my take the stats, they looked good. LaWorke, 18 for 31, 228 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I would like to see a higher completion rate. There were a few passes that were behind. Um, Still not using his legs much, but I'm very okay with them not utilizing the run ability for now cuz four games into the season you you want to save the the pitch count as Urban Meyer called it. <laughs> uh Elijah Collins had a bit of an injury scare he didn't play much in the second half but 17 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown. Team rushed for 40 yards, 109 yards. That's pretty ho-hum. You'd like to see those numbers be a bit better, you know.
1: I can say, let me uh, say something cuz one of my big takeaways from this game and Last game against Arizona State, Michigan State had twice as many yards the whole game as Arizona State. It was kind of like – Seven points. Michigan versus uh, Army was pretty much the same thing. By the time they went to double overtime, it wasn't twice as much, but it was most of the game. They still had more than 100 yards.
0: Yeah.
1: Michigan almost lost that game. Michigan State did lose that game.
0: Michigan State was five for five in the red zone.
1: Yeah, Saturday. Northwestern and Michigan State had very similar yard toted, total. Total, they had very similar stats, and Michigan beat them in a blowout. I think that's very reassuring. It's a very efficient game. I always kind of think of Northwestern and State like as similar programs with the way yeah. they like to play, and the
0: fact that Michigan. I, this was a good one for Michigan State. The ball control was really nice. Uh, no offensive turnovers. Cody White did fumble. He fumbled two punt returns, losing one. Uh, but that led to a, a fourth fourth down goal line stand by Michigan State's defense and the defense had a very nice game and Joe Bocci, his stats really say it all 14 tackles two tackles for loss a sack and a pick big 10 defensive player of the week for the fourth time in his career uh, defense gave up 126 through the air 139 on the ground that's not those are pretty good numbers against. I know Northwestern had their backup quarterback in, but still. Three interceptions, one for Scott Beasley and Joe Bocci, two sacks, and then eight tackles for loss was big to me. Anytime you can get four or over when it comes to tackles for loss, I think that really dictates how the opposing offense is going to run their schemes. That, uh, the fact
1: that Michigan State won when the turnover battle Two, like we said, red zone efficiency. Yep. And then three, they scored first. So Northwestern was playing from behind, which they don't like to do. I think two things that really helped Michigan State, other than turnovers and uh, red zone efficiency, it's one at halftime. They were up 14 to three. And I believe the second score was right before the half. It correct? was, Cody White. And then that third quarter, um, not only did they play very well, 10 nothing might not even show all of it. That was Michigan yeah. State's best quarter. But when you're already up by 11 and then you go, at that the game was over then. It's 24
0: to 3 and you're playing Northwestern. And um I like that you mentioned Michigan State scoring first because that did have a big impact on the game. When Northwestern recovered that fumble, they had it, they got the ball down to the 1-yard line and if they they didn't succeed on third and goal. If the game is 0-0, they might kick that field goal. Yep. When you're down 7 nothing in that game, you go for it and they didn't get it. And I want to talk about Michigan State's defensive Line as a whole unit, specifically the defensive tackles, Raquan Williams and Mike Pannishuk, were just absolutely brilliant. They're both Chicago area kids, so it made sense. You know? Raquan Williams is very, very underrated in my opinion, even by some Spartan fans. I think so too. He's that's going to be a presence when he's not there next year. It's going to be felt big time. I like him. I think he's very good. I think sometimes he
1: gets. Overlooked just because some of their they have a very good defense with yeah. other players. Too. I mean Willickis
0: and Bocce they're they're the money makers, you know. And last year Justin Lane was one of those money makers too. Mm-hmm. But the defensive tackles, I, Mike Panushuk and Rayquan Williams have been stalwarts there. They were basically at the end of the 2016 season, the disaster. They were both freshmen and they got their chance at defensive tackle, and that's when I started to see a defense that I actually kind of respected a little bit. (laughs) Um, And they've only grown from there. They've started each game next to each other since. But um, another guy who showed up was the third defensive end on the roster, Drew Beasley, who has been kind of rotating between tight end and defensive end. Not sure where he goes. He's he's a former walk-on like Willekes. He had a a big tackle for loss. He had a pick – which was it, it's nice seeing defensive line to get picks, you know. Yes, always is. Um, Willickis and Jacob Panaschuk, they didn't get beat at all. They were solid. What they did on, what they did on the field won't really show up on the stat sheet, but they were a big part of it. And it's a, it's just another solid game for Michigan State's defense. It's seven straight games holding opponents under twenty points, sixteen straight games holding opponents under thirty. The last team to do it was Utah State. First game of the 2018
1: season. Yeah, and uh, Northwestern has a really good defense. I mean, this is the third year you can look at Patty Fisher as yep. one of the, not just one of the best um, linebackers in the Big Ten, but one of the best linebackers around the country. Joe no. Gaziano has
0: been a terror from day
1: one. Yep, and, and, and Patty Fisher is actually one of the best defensive uh, players in the conference at any position. Yep. And um, Northwestern, you know, we we joke about how conservative their coach is on offense, but he consistently has tough-as-nails defenses. Even years where Northwestern is struggling to make a bowl, there's been a couple years where they don't, which isn't a criticism. It's very hard at Northwestern. Uh,
0: Those years, you still have to grind it out to score against them. Yeah. And in that way, Michigan State and Northwestern are very similar. And Northwestern has had Michigan State's number in the last three meetings prior to Saturday. Granted, a lot of teams did over that three-year stretch. Michigan State <laughs> has not been at their best.
1: Um, Doesn't uh, North, Isn't the Northwestern-Michigan State series
0: pretty crazy going back like 15 years? Yep. Yeah. Even if you want to get back into like the John L. Smith era. Um, oh, I won't go too far back, but it was like – it went from a 49-14 to 14 game Northwestern won in East Lansing in 05. The next year, Northwestern was up huge again. It was 38-3 to three, uh, in the third quarter, and Michigan State won that game, and people thought it might give John L. Smith life, and it didn't. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank goodness. I believe was, they had a double overtime game, D'Antonio's first year, that Northwestern ended up winning. Um, D'Antonio went on a pretty good stretch from then – From (laughs) thenceforth. And then, uh, yeah, I I think this is – they hadn't played in 14 or 15, which were two very good Michigan State teams. Um, But, yeah, Northwestern had owned the series of of late. And I
1: knew there were some games that got the other –
0: the fan bases kind of – And the thing is, Lewerke started against Northwestern as a freshman. That was his first career start was against Northwestern that year. And while he looked good, and Michigan State got out to a 14-0 lead that game, they ended up losing. It was, it was That was a crazy game. I think it was 54-42, to and Lewerke didn't finish the game. And then the next year, threw for over 400 yards, but they ended up losing in triple overtime.
1: Oh, yeah, that I actually watched that game uh, live. That was a good game. And you kind of had the feeling Michigan State was going to win it, and it didn't end up happening.
0: Yeah, um, but – You see what Michigan State does well. Like, I definitely think they do have an identity on offense. And they've been moving the ball very well in each of their games except for the first game. The first game they really only had two sustained drives. Like, they benefited a lot from the defense just feasting on Tulsa. Um, But Lewerke, he's really having an under-the-radar good season. He's thrown one pick to seven touchdowns. He's already already over a thousand yards and this is without him being too much of a threat in the run game. So when he does start to use his legs more, I wonder what that will do for his stats. And then there's, they know who their stars are. They know Daryl Stewart, Elijah Collins and Brian Lewerke really have to carry the load. And you know, you can include Cody White and even Matt Seibert, who has been, very consistent at tight end, more consistent. Matt Seiber, he's another walk-on uh, transfer from was Buffalo. Was he the one that just got his uh, his? Is uh, he the one scholarship? That, yeah, I think that was him. Yeah, no, he's I, he's right now outperforming the four-star tight end recruit Matt Dodson that they've had because he's gotten open consistently and his he's consistently caught the ball when it's thrown his way. That's a key part to moving the ball is catching it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not buying in just yet this even in this four week season this very young season it's just been a roller coaster I was so down on them week one and then they scored 51 points against Western Michigan it was awesome and then they respond with a seven point game and I'm trying not to get too caught up in a 31 point game albeit on the road against a decent defense in Northwestern yeah, because, you know you know the old adage, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not getting fooled right now.
1: Yeah, we, we were talking last uh, week about how Northwestern is not very good. They got right. beat up on by Stanford, Stanford, who's not very good either. Um, I was trying to bring up Stanford's uh, – The SAT Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to bring up their season so far just to make sure I got it right. Stanford got blown out by USC. They got blown out by UCF. And they just got blown out by Oregon. They've gotten right. blown out three straight games after blown after out Northwestern. North yeah, and they beat
0: Northwestern 17-7, to and it actually was uglier than that. So here's what I need to see for Michigan State. I need to see consistent production, obviously. You need to impress me against a smaller opponent. This game on Saturday against Indiana, it can't be... Uh, 24 to 17 game it can't be 17 to 10. Michigan State needs to win and they need to look impressive because after this week against Indiana you're not going to have any days you can take off for a while because you're at Ohio State you're at Wisconsin you got Penn State at home and then you got you know Illinois and I think uh, I think yeah you got two bye weeks in there Illinois and then you're at Michigan so this this is the time to fine tune whatever it is you're going to be. And eventually they're going to have to get one that they shouldn't get because they've played one decent opponent this year and they lost 10 to seven in that game. So, no, I'm not I'm not super encouraged by what I've what seen. What do you think Arizona State is this year? What do I think Arizona State is? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a good comparison. Are they like the 7-6 team they were last year? I think they are. I think their defense is a lot better than it was last year. I know they just gave up like 31 points to somebody <laughs> after we touted them. Who um, was it,
1: though? And also, I, I would say maybe their offense like is worse kind of than last year because they don't.
0: Aren't they starting? They don't out. have Nikhil Harry yeah. like this year. And they have a quarterback uh, that's a freshman. I'm, I'm. They're not like great. They're probably like. Their ceiling is probably Ooh. a Bo Pelini, Nebraska.
1: Colorado is what very Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I, I was going to talk about Indiana for a minute. I don't know what Indiana is because they look like they were closer than it should have been against Ball State. They beat them 34-24 at home. I think I know what Indiana is. Same as usual or worse or better? I think worse than usual. But 52 nothing against FCS opponent. Uh, they got mollywhopped by Ohio State. There's that word. That's the word of the day. And, yeah, they beat Connecticut, but Connecticut's like
0: – Trash. Yeah, they're getting – What their women's basketball program is on one end of the spectrum, their football program is on the other end
1: of the For the spectrum. most part, Connecticut football hasn't been good. I think when the Big East was still a football conference, they went to uh, – Went to a New Year's six one year, and then you know, there there were some years where they were formidable, but the last like six or seven years have not been kind, and they're like circling the drain. There's talk of like ending that program,
0: but I've seen the structure of what Michigan State can do to have a successful season. I've definitely, there's definitely been encouraging moments the Western Michigan game, how they move the ball against Arizona State, and then how they finish drives against Northwestern. I, there are some players I'm actually excited to watch. I couldn't say that this time last year because players, A, were dropping like flies, B, were not producing. I'm excited to see what Julian Barnett brings to the table once he's fully recovered from pink eye, which apparently is going around the Michigan State Freshman. <laughs> oh, God. Um,
1: <laughs> Anthony Williams. <laughs> if this wasn't a PG podcast, I'd have a joke,
0: but uh, <laughs> we'll just move along here. Um Obviously, Elijah Collins has come on at running back, but I also am excited to see Anthony Williams, true freshman, uh, another true running back. And then, you know, I've touched on Lewerke and Stewart and White and Seibert. If their offensive line ever gets healthy, which is a big if, because like I said, fourth string left tackle at this moment, not sure that the number one guy is going to come back at all this season. It's probably going to be another five, six weeks at best for – number two guy but so right around the the uh, Illinois and Michigan games is when you might see a healthy offensive line might um but they can't hold anything back Saturday going forward offensively if they've been holding anything back in terms of play selection in terms of who sees the field. I would hope they won it. Right, me too. When when you're having trouble scoring, you know. (laughs) If they've been doing that, which I'm not sure if they have, but if they are, it needs to stop now. And there are concerns. Obviously, offensive line health, Lewerke's accuracy has not been on point. He has been putting up good numbers, but I see the potential for like so much more if he could just improve a little bit. And then the defensive end depth, you know, Kenny Willikus and Jacob Panishuk playing great is gonna cover up a lot of the fact that they only have two other defensive ends behind them that are playing right now in Drew Beasley and Jack Camper. And then penalties, uh you gotta clean those up because they killed them against the Arizona State. That's what it was. Coaching errors and penalties. Yeah. And then that's what I was gonna say, the idea of
1: them holding anything back, uh the time is was, was then. The time was nope, now definitely. during the, the Arizona. The thinking. time
0: was at any point in two
1: thousand eighteen. Um, <laughs> I, I knew uh, Colorado had a bad loss. They lost the Air Force, which is not Army. It's, it's probably the worst of the three military academies. Yes. <laughs> and they they had to go overtime to beat Nebraska, who doesn't look too good. Despite no. despite me seeing a number twenty five next to Nebraska, there. Is Nebraska fo- really ranked? Yes, <laughs> right now. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> Number twenty five, but still, they had to go to. They they, they came down to a wire uh, against Illinois for Nebraska. But yeah, I mean, in
0: which poll is that? Did you, did you happen to see? Because I know Michigan State's twenty five and I think the AP poll. Maybe it was at the time. Oh, it might be. I think that was at the time. Let's see, Nebraska is one of those teams that's going to get a lot of off season hype. Similar to Michigan, but, you know, Michigan will at least get nine or ten wins out of that, and Nebraska will get I think there was a stat four. that since Harbaugh's been here, for the
1: most part, he finishes about what they start. Right. Uh, uh One of the two exceptions would be 2017, where they finished unranked, but started ranked. And, but in 2015, they started unranked, and they finished 11th and 12th in the polls. But, um yeah, that, that was something I wanted to... Uh, well, no, this is Michigan State. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll talk. No, no we'll, we'll talk about uh, Michigan. Uh, there, I, there's there's
0: there has been more to talk about on um, Michigan this week, but
1: yeah. So, so uh, how do you feel about Michigan State's running?
0: Their running the run game? game, yeah. Like I said, they only put up like 109 yards on the ground against Northwestern. Um, so two out of the four weeks against Tulsa and Northwestern, they really failed to break the the 120 yard mark, and really that's that's the standard. I think is 120 yards uh, when you take into account sacks and everything. It seems like they are adjusting the blocking schemes to what they have available. They're not asking players to do what they can't, which is encouraging. And I do like the running backs that they have when they're used properly. I don't like Connor Hayward being treated like Le'Veon Bell. I like Elijah Collins being treated like Le'Veon Bell. And I like Anthony Williams being treated like Edwin Baker. That's, you know, you got the lightning and the thunder. Not to, <laughs> not to quote uh, Imagine Dragons. Thunder? Thunder? <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's been like the basis of Mark D'Antonio since he's been there. He's never, I mean, he's always had a great running back, but he's also had a good one right behind it. His first season at J.U. Kalkirk and Javon Ringer. Javon Ringer was the burner. J.U. Colcrick was the the ground and pound guy. Uh, L.J. Scott, Gerald Holmes, and Madre London. You know, LJ, Madre London was a burner. Gerald Holmes was a, a kind of grinded out guy. L.J. Scott had a little bit of both in him. Le'Veon Bell and Edwin Baker I just brought them up. Uh, even Jeremy Langford could do a lot of everything. But right behind him was Nick Hill, who was a bit smaller but was faster. He, he was kind of like a Mike Hart type of running back. So they've got the, the players at, in the running back room you know, I also mentioned like Legarius Jefferson. Now it's just coaching them to the skills that they are here for. Right. Cause not every, not all running backs are the same. They're, they're almost like snowflakes, you know, no two are alike. Right. Everyone <laughs> has specific skills that they bring to the table. And what I've seen from the running backs when they're getting to play to those skills is beautiful. And that's, it's a big if, almost if they're gonna get to showcase those. If guys. you want to take advantage
1: of a good defense and you want to help quarterback accuracy, getting a running game going, yep. is the you know run game will. Is it's the quarterbacks got a, and a defense best. It's friend. got a ways to go, but it's light years from where it was this time last year. The Michigan State run the ball more than ten times uh, in the game Saturday. Yeah, I believe they did. Yeah, because did uh, they uh, hand it off to uh, an <laughs> offensive lineman? <laughs> then you're ahead
0: of time. the game. Should've <laughs> <laughs> seen that coming. <laughs> um, they got they got a ways to go, but there's it's an aspect that the defense has to plan for. Last year, the defense did not have to respect any aspect of Michigan State's running game, unless it was Rocky Lombardi charging at them. <laughs> the fact that Collins has looked very good when he's out there, he's one of I think five freshman running backs to eclipse 300 yards so far this season. And the fact that Connor Hayward can be explosive, you know, defenses have to account for them. They're not playing 10 on 11.
1: Which makes the uh, other team's defensive coordinators' job harder.
0: American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength, who along with his Blue Ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown. So I wanted to ask, um, how big of an impact do you think it has uh, that McCaffrey likely won't play, and that Patterson right now is listed as probable against Rutgers?
1: Big time, actually. Um, okay. Because I think, even though Rutgers has shown more of a pulse than maybe some people thought they would, they're not Connecticut, which they actually kind of have been in the past. I remember Rutgers getting uh, blown out by Kansas last year, which is the That's other laughingstock. Uh, and I've been out. Uh, I've been waiting for Rutgers for the last few years to kind of not be Rutgers because I actually think they've gotten some good players.
0: They've taken some from Michigan State, actually. Yeah,
1: and they have a quarterback that's thrown for 300 yards, I think, in two straight games. Um, that being said, though, I think this would be an excellent game. This will, this could be a game that Middle Tennessee should have been where Michigan can get some reps in against some lesser competition and get their confidence going. Yeah. Uh, Army is not that type of game, right. uh, at, le- at least not on defense. Um, I, the offense still should play better that game. But <clears throat> that being said, I would love to see McCaffrey and even more so Patterson get some reps in against uh, Rutgers and get their confidence up, get some rhythm going with the receivers. Um, get your, whatever identity it's going to be, whether Michigan's going to revert to what they were doing last year you know, cut bait and do that. Mm-hmm. Or if they're going to really try to get the spread thing to work now is the time against Rutgers. And, um, it would be night. It will be interesting if Milton plays to see what he has. I think he is a quarterback that could be really good down the line, but I'd like to see, uh, McCaffrey. I, I would rather see the first or second string guy right. out there. Uh, if, make- if McCaffrey is going to play. Right. No, no. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I would like to see him oh, play. Right, yeah, I- yeah. that would be my hope. Um, uh, just just if they were three and zero and had looked sharp at this point then i see your point like okay can michigan win with milton that yeah. would be interesting but i think right now they need a good game they've looked sloppy they uh this season hasn't been fun for michigan fans i'm sure it hasn't been fun for the players right um by the way don't tag players on facebook michigan fan seven yes i'm calling him out too <laughs> <laughs> i meant to call you out earlier uh but yeah, I, I think it's important. I think it's important. Michigan plays a good game.
0: I think so too. I, it's an opportunity to cover up some scars from the last week and the week, or in the the game before against Army. You should blow out Rutgers, and then, to me, there shouldn't be too much celebration. As soon as the clock hits zero, it should be focused on Iowa. But we'll get to that. Rutgers, you know, they're one and two, and their win is versus UMass. They lost at Iowa, which I think Iowa pretty good, but they lost thirty to nothing, and they lost at home to Boston College thirty to sixteen. I think it was somewhat closer than people
1: thought, but uh, didn't, Boston College hasn't really impressed this year either, right? The Boston College lost to Kansas, right? I believe that was them,
0: yeah. It was, yeah.
1: So in consecutive weeks, they almost lost to Rutgers in Kansas because 30-16, to I think it was closer than that most of that game. (laughs) And that's why I say the ACC is overrated, people. Look what's happened to Boston College and Syracuse so far this season. Oh, yeah, for sure. I kind of see the Michigan State-Indiana game as being similar to michigan Rutgers. I would hope so. Indiana has... I just mean an importance, yeah, an importance. Okay, yeah, building confidence against a lesser opponent, yeah. winning. Kind of like you said, if uh, Michigan State wins by seven or if they win by three,
0: it's not a victory really. That's how I feel right. with Michigan. Right? And Ohio State is looming, and then right after Ohio State's Wisconsin. Yeah, wow. but from the Michigan Rutgers perspective, I think Art Sikowski is he's just okay. Um, he's going to start a quarterback for them because. Uh, their original starter, I think, is having some concussion issues. And I think both of those guys have thrown for 300 yards yeah. in games, right? They do, on offense, have a couple explosive players. Uh, Pacheco at running back, and then Raheem Blackshear is kind of like the running back receiver. He, he's burned a lot of people, including Michigan State's defense uh, recently. I think he was the one that burned Michigan last year, and
1: fans right. were like It was like
0: the first drive of the game. Ruckers scored, right? Yeah. And then after that, it was... Some
1: miserable Michigan fans were mad that Michigan only beat them 41-8.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rutgers' defense is, is bad. Like, I don't care who you've played. Through three games, you should have more than three sacks and two interceptions, and you should have at least forced a fumble, let alone recovered one. They have not done that. And historically, Rutgers is still on the only...
1: One of only a handful of schools I've seen give up 78 points in a game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it might be worth noting, last time Rutgers came to town was really the first time we saw Brandon Peters take the field when John O'Corn was not cutting it. Granted, um, Shea Patterson is not quite at John O'Corn level.
1: I would say he's not anywhere close. <laughs> I couldn't see John O'Corn uh, having the type of year that. Uh, that uh, uh excuse me, that uh Shea Patterson had last year. I just looked up that game because I didn't remember it offhand. Thirty-five to fourteen against the 2017 Michigan team.
0: Yeah.
1: The gr- <laughs> granted now looking back, most Michigan fans are pretty impressed that Harbaugh got eight wins out of that team, considering what the talent level was and the talented oh, wow. play a lot of the
0: talented players were like very young at the time. Well, I mean, those eight wins came against I think like Florida, Cincy, Air Force. I think I think Purdue was a decent win on the road. And then like
1: Air Did they play Air Force that
0: year? Yeah. I don't know. Um But um I definitely think you need to establish that type of game you were talking about from Patterson and the first stringers. But why not? If, if the game is in hand, if you get to that point, why not get Milton some reps? Maybe as soon as, you know, late in the second half. Or for the second quarter, I mean, my bad.
1: Well, especially if uh, McCaffrey's not going to play, I think uh, Milton will take McCaffrey's role. where yeah. We've been seeing him all season. And I think, like like you said, one of the distressing things is when McCaffrey's
0: played, he hasn't looked very good. He's actually probably looked worse than Patterson. And he's only gotten, like, spurs. I feel like I haven't really seen him for a full drive too much. He
1: hasn't made... He, there's been times where he's not making the reads and he instantly gets yanked. And this is an opportunity, too. Like I said, I had so many things I wanted to say about the Michigan last week, but this week we do we can't see Shea Patterson missing players that are wide open. Even yeah. on his touchdown pass, he could have Michigan could have scored right away. There was a wide open receiver, and yeah, and Nico Collins multiple times was wide open uh, against Wisconsin and just not getting the ball. You just see him waving his arm. Like, hey, and Patterson's I, not I seen almost, him.
0: like, feel bad for Nico Collins at this point because when he's been able to, like, showcase what he can do, he's been impressive.
1: Mm-hmm. And this was <laughs> a problem we saw with Shea a bit last year, but not to this extent. There was yeah. times he missed reads, but it wasn't just a.
0: It wasn't, um, like, no that obvious. No, no. And I mean, it's, times it's, it's, make it up is so it. easy to, like, look back and be like, how do you miss this, you know? But there's like, multiple the, the times. quarterback.
1: Right, yeah, because you can do that to anybody. You can do that to Aaron
0: Rodgers, yeah. Uh, but when it's that blatant, like it's it's I it's definitely frustrating. And Lurkie had similar issues last year. I was at a game last year where he threw an interception in the end zone when they were down three nothing to Central, <laughs> and uh, going back, I was I was way up in the stands, so I didn't see it from there. But when I rewatched the game on TV, he had a, a flanker. Wide open and he forced it to Felton Davis and got a pick. Um, yeah,
1: and I've I've heard uh, um, you know, Hall of you know, I said Aaron Rodgers. I've heard lots of Hall of Fame quarterbacks right. who have that issue. There's people was, that well Brett Favre is almost most famous. For I was print. gonna say, yeah, Brett Favre and Jim Kelly are two <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterbacks that went to multiple Super Bowls who I've heard criticized for that. Crit- they uh on Wikipedia, granted it's Wikipedia, I'm not Seeing a citation for it, they list Shea Patterson at 6'2. I was wondering if height might be an issue. Is does he have the height to see around? But 6'2, you'd think he'd, uh, he'd be able to see his receivers,
0: right? I don't know, I don't know how tall he is, but he, he's not, <laughs> uh, he's, personal personal Lamar, he's, he's not Lamar or he's not Kyler Murray height wise or Drew Brees,
1: right? Um. I saw him in person once. I shook out the tape measure. Let's go in forward. Uh, State versus uh, Indiana. Where,
0: State versus where's Indiana. that being played? That this one will be in East Lansing, and uh, there's a little bit of mystery because Michigan State does not know who the Indiana quarterback will be. Tom Allen, the Indiana head coach, has said Indiana doesn't know who their starting <laughs> quarterback will be. You know, <laughs> I don't know if how much truth there is to that. But there's there are some big differences in the games of Michael Penix and Peyton Ramsey. And every time I see Penix, I kind of almost want to say Penix, but <laughs> but I catch myself. Um, Michael Penix, who started the season as the number one guy before getting hurt, he's much more accurate on deeper balls, and he's he's more of like a big play type of guy. Like he'll he'll. Beat you with chunk plays. Peyton Ramsey. Michigan State's played him twice, and he's he can move the ball because he. Michigan State's weakness has always been against the dink and dunk type of offense, and I think that's what Ramsey really specializes in. And I think it will be Peyton Ramsey, just based on um, Michael Penix's injury. Mm. And there's not a ton of offensive weapons you have to look out for with Indiana. It's kind of similar to Rutgers. But there are two that really stand out to me: Stevie Scott, the running back, and one of my favorite names, Wop Fillior, the, <laughs> the wide receiver. <laughs> but Indiana also just lost their starting left tackle, senior. Uh, I believe was, I forget his first name, but his last name is Kronk, which is great. Um, he's done for the watch season. I'm new groove now. <laughs> he's out for the season now. And I believe that was announced Monday. And so their backup left tackle is going to be going up against Jacob Panashuk or Drew Beasley, who are both coming off of really good games. Michigan State's defensive line should look to – it should be another week where they just overwhelm the offensive line. So really, if Michael Penix plays, it makes a bit of a difference, but Indiana should not score. Offensively, Maybe they get, like, a return or a pick or something like that. But they should not be able to move the ball on Michigan State's defense. Their uh, offense does have a spark. It almost always a little does. Bit, yeah. Um, and they've always played Michigan State close. Against like, Connecticut and
1: Ball State, though, they scored 34 and 38 points, which I know
0: that sounds like a lot, but it's Ball State and Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. And... So, One was played on a neutral, uh, in uh, – when they played Ball State, I believe it was at Lucas Oil, and then Connecticut was at home. And they you know, 52 against Eastern Illinois. It's like, well – That's Michigan, FCS. Yeah. That's, that's not even match. I'm more impressed by Michigan State's seven offensive points against Tulsa than, <laughs> than uh, Indiana's 51 against so Eastern Illinois. Michigan
1: State beats Indiana 31-17. to 17, What's your mood next week?
0: I'm not super confident in them beating Ohio State. What here's here's what it would take for me to be confident that Michigan State could go into Columbus and win. I don't need them to win 55 to nothing because then you can get too fat and sassy after that. Right. I need to see Lawerke have another game where he puts up between 200 and 250 yards passing, and I want to see no more than three penalties total. I know that's asking a lot, but when you have an Ohio State and a Wisconsin looming, this is what you need to be doing. And this, again, this is what it would take for me to be confident heading into Columbus a week from Saturday. Uh, the defense, there's not too much they can. I'm I'm pretty confident in the defense that Ohio State's not going to put up 50 or even 40 against them. You know, the defense just needs to do what they do. My main concern is with the offense. I need to see drives being finished consistently, and I need to see five offensive touchdowns to feel confident. Will I see that? I have no idea. I think if Michigan State
1: plays a really good game, I see them winning 34-10. to 10. I think if they drag their feet a little bit, I still see them winning, but I see it like 28 17, 30 17. And we don't want to get
0: too. If this feels exactly like how we were talking about Arizona State. Well, my my <laughs> what I have to say has nothing to do with that game. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm recovering. I've got the
0: scars. I, so. I
1: mean, I know we have a pretty popular podcast, but I don't know how popular we are inside Michigan State's locker room. <laughs> Right, right. And if we were, I don't think D'Antonio
0: liked me talking about what kind of steak he likes. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, what I need to see is another 30-point game cuz that would mean you've done it in two straight weeks, which would mean a lot to me. So to me in like a perfect world, I would like to see a 35 to 3 or like a 38 nothing game.
1: I think I'm going to take uh, Michigan State 34 to 10 over Indiana,
0: and I like Michigan 35 to 10 against Rutgers. 35 to 10. I'll say Michigan uh, 27, Rutgers nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what do you see in the Michigan State game? What I see happening is uh, Coglin gets his groove back, groove back, and. Uh, Kicks five field goals and it's like 29 to 11 because Indiana goes for it on because Indiana scores late and goes for two. So I'm going to say 29 11. 29 11 for uh... Michigan State wins. Okay. (laughs) If it's actually that, I will not be surprised at all because I'm saying it right now, obviously.
1: We don't have to go around the Big Ten too much because we know Ohio State and Wisconsin are king. Right. Yep. I would say they're 17. Yeah. There's seven teams that are, like, top, that are grade A top of um, the food chain in college football, and Wisconsin, Ohio State are two of them. Alabama, Alabama Clemson. Um, Would you Oklahoma, put LSU in there? Oklahoma, Sorry, I and I think
0: that. LSU, too. I think that was just number seven. I'm still cautious on LSU. The win at Texas impresses me a little bit, but I'm still not completely sold on Texas.
1: When some people were talking trash about the SEC, I was like, "Nah, watch out for LSU, and uh, I think AM's a year away. I think this time next year we'll be singing their praises too.
0: In the West, I think Wisconsin and Iowa are like a clear-cut Tier 1, and then there's not even a Tier 2. There's a Tier 3, and that's Minnesota, Purdue, Nebraska, Illinois. I have
1: Tier Florida. 3. I have Iowa in Tier 2 by themselves, and I have Wisconsin Tier 1.
0: Okay, Because
1: even if Wisconsin's not a top-five team, Pretty convinced they're at least top 10, top 15. And I think they're just there's a gap between them and
0: I. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I feel that. Uh, you can catch us on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. You can find us on Twitter at Paul Bunyan Pod, Facebook with the Paul Bunyan Podcast. And uh, if you want to email anything to us, uh, the Paul Bunyan Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. And they're kicking us out. So we'll see you guys next week. Thank That's you. It's our time. Thank you for listening to the Paul Bunyan podcast.